This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With the year-end celebration prize. Good evening. Welcome in. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. I was out last week. I am thrilled to be back this week. My name is Brandon Kiley. I am alongside my guy Therese Paler, the one and only Yahoo Sports NFL writer along for the ride. We got Chris Unocero producing this bad boy. If you guys want to get involved, the text line is 69306. You can always hit us up on Twitter. I am at BK Sports Talk. Therese is at Therese Paler. Therese, how you doing, man? Hey, what's going on, man? It's good to have you back in the mix. You were in sunny San Diego. You were enjoying <laughs> some beautiful weather. It was I a was really a little jealous. Life. I was a little jealous. It was my first time ever going to San Diego. No. Everything it's they incredible. tell you about it is oh. 100% true. Bro, Everything. Bro, I, I think I've told you this before, but like, the Chiefs beat writers were most annoyed when the San Diego <laughs> Chargers left. The AFC West beat writers across the country were just like, Ah, I can't believe this. It was the best road trip in the NFL. Oh, it's incredible. You're on the beach, but it's always between 60 and 70 degrees. Like, at night, it's December, obviously. It's beautiful. And at night, when it gets, quote-unquote, cold, it gets down to, like, 56 degrees. Uh, And the people that are there are wearing, like, sweaters, and they're all bundled up. And we're like, this is great. And and when I was the Chiefs beat writer, it felt like every San Diego trip was in December, and, like, I mean, you could sleep with the door open by the beach. It was the best. It's ah, amazing. God, it's amazing. It. That's not what you guys are here for, no. though. You're obviously no. here for Chiefs talking. What a what an awesome game to be able to discuss with you today, Therese, because, man, that is, that is as dominant a performance yeah. as you will see by the Chiefs offense and defense, really. I want to start with this, Therese, because I noticed this after the game. That was what I would consider to be a dominant performance for this Chiefs team. They win the game last week, 23-6. to six. Similar similar thing this week, yeah. similar story. Yeah. Last year's dominant A games were different. Mm-hmm. It was 42-28. to 28. It was 42-31. That's where they were at their yeah. peak. Do you think winning this way, having this be what their A game looks like, is this more of a playoff type of team in, See, in the way that they are winning? This is one of the reasons, like, I'm glad you're on the show with me. Because, like, we a lot of times we think alike. That's true. Like, that's real. Like, it's great you can win 42-28, you know, when there's a lot of points scored. But the truth is football's played differently in January. And if anybody should know that, Chiefs fans should know that because we continue to see that. Now, no one's thinking that the Bears' offense is, you know, lighting anybody up. But I don't really care about that. Like, you play who you line up against. And it was a dominant, convincing performance. I will also tell you this. The Bears had every reason in the world to game plan for that, take that game seriously, because if you look at what the Chicago beat writers are saying, everybody's getting murdered. Chicago's a tough, tough, like, town in the media. And guess what? Bear fans are tough on their team, too. So when they lose, people are coming for blood. You think they wanted another offseason with, we don't know about Trubisky. They could have softened the blow for this whole year 
with a good performance by Trubisky against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs by winning the game or just him playing well. The fact that you know they brought out their best stuff and just nothing hit home, that does matter to me. Even though we're not impressed by the Bears' offense, that does matter to me because not every game in the NFL is the same. Coaches take them differently. They game plan for games differently. Certain games you're going to get the A-plus game plan. Other games is going to be a B, you know, B-minus. You know, my belief is that that was Matt Nagy's A game plan. And guess what? The Chiefs defense completely snuffed it out. They're going to have to win games in the playoffs like that. Been really happy with what I've seen the last month. We've talked a lot about this on the show today, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it because we kind of came out on different sides. CDOT is not totally bought in on the defense. I'm more so, and Sean is all the way bought in on the defense. Oh, so you're more in the middle. I, I, I'm bought in. I think they're good. Okay. I think they're legitimately good. I don't know if... Like, when they get into the playoffs and they play against the Ravens, I don't know if they're going to hold them to 20. I think they can hold See, them to 24, though. I think they're good. I cheated. I listened to you guys. Okay. You and Seedot are closer than, 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 like, meets the eye. Here's the deal. There's not, like, in my opinion, there's not, like, a big difference between thinking they're legitimately good and being cautiously optimistic. I was just telling Seedot that. I think it's pretty similar. How about this? I'm with you two. Like, I think, like you're saying, I think they're legitimately good. I love the alphas on defense. I love the way they compete. I love the way that they've been able to stop the run. I like the scheme. I like the fact that they're aggressive. I love all this. But at the end of the day, you can't help but be cautiously optimistic because, like you, I've watched every one of these games for the last six years. I've seen what happens in the playoffs because the game changes. The game is different. I've seen it. So, you know, would it really, really surprise you in your heart of hearts if in the divisional round some team ran for 150 yards? It wouldn't surprise me. It'd be disappointing. But you can't say, like, you'd just be shocked that would happen. It Cautiously optimistic is the right place to be. But no matter what, as long as they just don't have, like, a Detroit Lions special where they give up 50, this year has been a really positive step in the right direction for this defense. So there was something that Chris Collinsworth said on the broadcast last night, and I want to hear this with you, uh, Therese. I want to react to it on the other side because – Okay. It's why I'm really optimistic about the Chiefs' defense. Listen to this. You know, Al, there's been a lot of things that have changed in Kansas City. I'm going to start with this guy right here, Tyron Matthew. About a month ago, about the time that all this great play started, started playing all over the field. That was their plan all along for him, is to put him in the slot, let him rush, let him pass. There's Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator. And slowly you have seen the evolution of this defense into what Spagnola had seen from the beginning, that they wanted to make sure he understood the defense before they started giving him those multiple roles. I know they've played lesser competition. That has certainly been part of why the defense looks better of late. The Chargers, Raiders, Patriots, Broncos, and Bears are the right. teams we, that you've we, played we should acknowledge during this that. stretch. Right. That is part of it. Okay. Another part is... There's clear differences. Personnel, yeah. scheme, the way they're using guys, yeah. guys buying into the system, yes. guys being healthy. Yes. There are clear reasons on the field as to why I think that it looks differently. And yes. so when you combine those two things, they're doing things against the Broncos that other teams aren't doing against the Broncos. They're doing things against the Bears that other teams aren't doing to the Bears. So that's why I'm starting to buy into what I'm seeing in terms of them being legitimately good. I I can tell you this. I've watched enough. I've watched more Broncos this year than I care to watch, guys. I'm gonna be honest. I sit in my little cave with my four screens, and it's dark. And like, I love. You won't find someone who loves football more than me. But I'm. I'm sitting there. There's times I watch football. I don't want to watch football, but it's my job, right? And I, so my point is, I. I've seen a lot of Broncos. 
Here's what I'm telling you. They have made some teams look pretty bad offensively, okay? Like, their offense has made some defenses look bad this year with Drew Locke. Mm -hmm. It means something to me that they made him look bad. That means something to me. Do we think that Drew Locke is good this year? No, but he does have the ability to make plays sometimes, and he's given that offense a spark. So the fact that they're taking care of business against teams they're supposed to take care of business against matters because guess what? They weren't doing that last year, okay? They had the league's 31st-ranked defense last year. They were playing some bad offenses. Guess what? Those teams still move the ball. So at the end of the day, they're doing what they're supposed to do. I don't, I'm not into devaluing what they're doing against the competition. It's okay to take note and realize, okay, the last time they faced a team you're really worried about outside the Patriots um, and even there, people have different levels of concern about them. Mm-hmm. Like That might have been a month ago, but I'm not going to sit here and devalue what they've done since that Titans game, and I'm going to tell you why. Because this is the NFL. In reviewing all those games, I've seen teams lose the teams they're not supposed to lose to. I've seen teams pull game plans out their tail that, that, that the other team wasn't ready for. They saved stuff. So you think teams aren't giving the Chiefs their best shot? You think John Gruden didn't come in here with that weak offense, but it was the best he had to offer? Mm. You think he didn't want to come in here and beat his boy? He did. He did. And so my point is, like, teams are saving stuff. They're giving the Chiefs their best shot offensively, and it's still not enough. That matters to me. Another thing, and I know you can appreciate this, Therese, as somebody who watches a ton of film, something you never heard after a Chiefs game last year was, Man, we saw that on film beforehand. We 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 game plan for that. We heard about that. We I saw know, that. We saw I this. Know. Man, Tyron Matthew during the game is pointing to his head because he's saying to the other bench, I saw that on film. I knew exactly what was coming my way, and I read it. Man, Therese, the guy that it really reminds me of watching Tyron Matthew is Derek Johnson. Derek Johnson, it. the way that they it. play, obviously different positions, fill different roles, but yep. Derek Johnson was so smart. There would be plays where he would be at, the screen or whatever the play was going to be before the play actually came to fruition. We're seeing that now with Matthew. You can see that he's comfortable with what the defense is doing. He's comfortable with his job on every play. That's what's changed here is their comfort in the system for me. You know, and it's, it's, I I mean, I didn't even grow up here, but I love the way Derek played. It It was so much fun. Like the comeback from the Achilles season, Oh, the 2015 Derek Johnson season was just the best. Oh, it was so much fun. But it, I like that comparison. I'm going to give you another one. Okay. Just the way they use him. They use Badger like Palomalu. He's all over the place. You know, and, and you see him around the ball a lot. And he has a real impact on his teammates that matters. Um, Badger's been a great signing. Um, I love, like, the kingdom landlord thing. It's, it's his way of showing ownership over the defense in a way that really shouldn't I think fans should really appreciate. It's different, it's interesting, and it's fun to watch. And the the amount of excitement that they have on the field is just, it's been great to watch. How about, I'm sorry, bro, how how about Clark and Suggs, like, teaming up? They're like, tell me that. I know as a Chiefs fan, that got to you, you were like, this is awesome. And it was the first drive of the game. That was was the first drive of the game, and you're like, this is what we were waiting for. Like, We've been waiting for this all year, and it's starting to really show itself when it matters the most. Therese, we talked about this a lot on our show, and I know we got to get to break. We'll do that here in just a moment. But the thing that's made me most excited about this Chiefs season is 
for years I've been told about how the Patriots season doesn't really start until December and everything before that is like a 12-week preseason for them mm-hmm. and they peak in December and then get ready to go and gear up for the postseason. That's what the Chiefs look like right now. Yeah. They look like they're peaking going into the playoffs. Typically, you've got the Justin Houston injury and the D Ford injury and the Jeremy Macklin injury right. and all these things coming up You're right in December. For guys to come back. This is the opposite. Guys are getting healthy now. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes looks the best that he's looked all year. Frank Clark is looking like himself. The secondary is completely healthy. This is a different version of what we've seen from the Chiefs, and it instills a lot of confidence in me as a fan of, I think this could be different. This I looks different than what we've seen in the past. I do. They're trending in a way that I, 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 I think that there's a good chance they get to the Super Bowl. I do. I want to talk to you about what their first-round matchup could be. We'll talk about I'm the three possibilities. We'll do that on the other side. Plus, last night, the competitive fire that we saw from Mahomes is what we've heard from Therese that he's heard about Patrick Mahomes' competitive fire behind the scenes. We'll get into all of that coming up. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. The Therese Paler Show, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie. He's Therese Paler, the NFL lead writer for Yahoo Sports. We've got Chris Unocero on the other side of the glass. Get involved in the show. The text line is 69306. We will get into Patrick Mahomes' competitiveness here in just a moment. But, Therese, I wanted to talk to you about the sixth seed because it will likely end up being the first-round matchup for the Kansas City Chiefs. A few scenarios. The Titans are going to get it. If they win, that's the most likely scenario win and they are in, but Pittsburgh can still get in if the the Titans lose and the Steelers beat a Ravens team. That's not going to have most of their starters out there. (laughs) And then it is still technically possible that the Oakland Raiders get in. If they win, the Titans lose, the Steelers lose and the Colts win. Ultimately that would get the Raiders in. It's very unlikely, but still technically possible I think the most likely scenario here, Therese, is just as simple as the Chiefs win early, the Texans end up resting their starters, the Titans beat the Texans, the Titans get into the postseason. Yep. How concerned should Chiefs be, Chiefs fans be about that potential matchup once again? I like how we're just skipping the Raiders in the – because, like, we're not worried. Like, they're going to beat – Duck Hodges is Steelers. starting for the Steelers. Like they, I'm not worried Duck about Duck Hodges that. ain't coming in here as an undrafted <laughs> rookie free agent. I do actually like a lot around him, though, and like the deep, but they're not going to come in here and win. And we already know the Raiders, they're not ready for prime time. So I've actually, I think I might be overthinking this because we've, you and I have been on the, we're, they're facing the Titans and we've been calling this for a month. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm going to advance this a little bit. And I think I've shared this with you. I don't know if I shared it on air, but I've shared it with you privately. I think if they draw the Titans, I think everyone around here is going to be like, oh, no. Here come the Titans. Oh, what are we going to do? Oh, Derrick Henry's 250 pounds. How are we? I bet you they come out here and they kick their butts. I bet you they kick the Titans. Because everybody's just going to be like, oh, no. Somebody's going to predict. People are going to be predicting like an upset. Like, I bet you they come out there and they kick their butts. Um, And then everybody's going to get really excited about it. And then the next game. That's the one where I think overconfidence might be a little high. <laughs> that that's that's Therese being here, beat writer for a long time, thinking ahead, watching all these games. This is a scenario I could see happening. There's also a scenario where everybody's right to be concerned, and I can already tell by the look on your face, you are genuinely concerned about the Titans. And I, I'll tell you this, um, you know, Tannehill, it, it's a good fit for what they do. 
you know, he's a veteran. He's played. He won't be in, intimidated coming in here. We know they can run the football. Chiefs will have to play well to win against the Titans. They're not just going to be able to roll them out there. But, again, we're talking about Mahomes' competitiveness, right? I'm, I'm not going to expect Mahomes to, like, let that Titans – he ain't losing at home to those guys in the in the wild card round. I I think that's a, I think that's an over my dead body game by one five. You know who else is not going to have the same quotes after this one that they had after the last <laughs> Titans game? Yeah, Frank Clark. Yeah. Frank Clark ain't coming out after that game saying, "Oh, we didn't expect Ryan yeah, Tannehill to run." No, they're going to be expecting yeah. Ryan Tannehill to run in that one. Oh, they're by the way, know exactly what's coming listen, their way. Badger and Frank Clark are absolutely going to be like is going to be. Let's put it this way. If they draw the Titans, practice in, like, the mood around the locker room is going to be real intense next week. Believe that. Those guys, plus Terrell Suggs now in the locker room, like yeah. it, it, it's going to be a little different. Listen, I'm still scared of the Titans you because it's be. in my nature you of being be. afraid of that team for whatever reason. They just seem to have Andy's number. They play a physica- physical style. Like, Styles makes fights. All of those sorts mm-hmm. of things. Those all kind of come together to terrify me as a Chiefs fan. That being said, I would fully expect them to win the football game. Yeah. I would fully expect games at Arrowhead. You've got Patrick Mahomes. You've got this offense that's finally starting to come together and a defense that is really rounded into form lately. I would expect them to win. That wouldn't change the anticipation and anxiousness that I would have going into it. You should, you should remain, you should remain anxious. Um, you know, anyone who's been a Chiefs fan, it's been a great ride with Andy, but you've seen some heartbreaking stuff when the calendar turns. So, um, to me. Like, I think that's just about having respect. You know, if you care about your team, you respect these opponents, man. So I, I would fully expect that. So Therese Paler has been telling us about Patrick Mahomes' competitiveness behind the scenes for since the day he was drafted, yeah, maybe, roughly. Yeah, it's real. Well, you saw it. We saw it a little bit on display last night. Listen to this. All right, our crew never misses a thing. Check this out, Al. First of all, we've got the touchdown pass. Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey, easy right. And then coming off the field, watch Patrick Mahomes. Let me see. How many people were drafted? Oh, that's right. I was the t- uh, six, eight, nine, ten. The tenth player picked. Right, right. Yeah, the Bears had a chance to get me. And nothing. He's not mean spirited about anything. No. But he's competitive. And he knows the Chicago Bears could have been. Therese. This has been the conversation around town all day. I'm sure it's been the conversation in Chicago as well. <laughs> what did you make of Patrick Mahomes putting oh, out the, the ten fingers yeah. to signify where he was drafted? Listen, I mean, it is what it is. We know what it is. This was the first real glimpse. And I'm, this is a big thing I'm going to throw out here, but it's real. This is the first real glimpse of the Michael Jordan competitiveness that's in this guy. Like, he, he you don't always see it, but... You know, when we saw him earlier in the year, like being vocal with receivers and like really cajoling them and glaring at the sidelines sometimes, like this is in him. He's not okay just being average like that or just being the MVP. Like that Patriots loss, guys, like after they lost to the Patriots at home in the AFC Championship game, I went into that locker room and I came out of there. Those guys told me that at halftime, he promised them they were going to put up 30, and they did. Like, that's epic stuff. Like, and like the respect he gained for like going out there and accomplishing, like, for like being 23, 22, actually, and like wearing the C and winning the MVP, saying you're going to do that against that coach and that quarterback and doing it. 
it's real. So, like, just understand, you got the the best young asset in football and someone that's not resting on his laurels. Like, that Patriots loss really bothered him. I thought this quote from Frank Clark last night told me everything that I needed to know. This is Frank Clark on Patrick Mahomes' swagger. Quote, I like QB1 showing a little bit of that edge to him. QB1 got some edge. <laughs> yeah, I'm no. glad he showed it. He showed them that 10-piece tonight. Yep. Well, Frank Clark is an alpha. Tyron Matthew is an alpha. Terrell Suggs is an alpha. They've Three got some alphas real on this alphas defense. in that room. Yeah. When Patrick Mahomes is the guy that is still in the center of the circle whenever he's given the pregame speeches, when he's the guy that is the leader, uh, the unquestioned leader of the team, even with all those guys on it, that stuff really matters. And we don't see that a lot on the outside, but stuff like this. It's why he gains the trust. It's why he gains the confidence of his teammates. This stuff is not what you see yes. on the football field. But behind the scenes, when it's January until August, when they're going through all of the offseason training, this stuff matters yes. a lot. And for him to go down as one of the best ever, He's this is the it. kind of thing that you have to have. Guess who else had it? Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning was hard on his teammates, you know? like, And I... I you want to know why I know he's going to be like Peyton Manning and cajole guys? Look at the way that he cajoles younger players than him. Remember early in the year, he's very vocal with McCole Hardman? Wait till five years from now when, like, half the offense or more, all those guys are younger than him and they know him as the MVP. Like, this, that's what Manning was like. That's a great thing because leadership in pro football can't always come from the head coach. It's a hell of a lot better when it comes – from the locker room, when they lead from the front. Another great leader, Ed Reed. In Miami, with the Hurricanes, Larry Coker won a national championship. Larry Coker wasn't the coach of that team. Ed Reed was, okay? Like, you have to be able to police your own locker room. You have to have teammates that hold other teammates accountable. What are you going to do on offense and you're not working hard? Let's say you're not studying. But you come into Patrick Mahomes' offense. Imagine the looks you get when Mahomes, like, gets on you. And he's like, hey, you're not doing this right. Like, it's different coming from a teammate, a peer, that has accomplished way more than you than it is a coach. You have to listen to it because these are the guys that you're going to war with. So I think it was a great sign in a lot of ways. You guys are really starting to see, you know, like no, these are the little things that motivate Patrick Mahomes. He's using every little thing to put on that fire. We know he's the best young quarterback. We know he's the best quarterback in football. You think he's not motivated by not winning the MVP this year? I'm, I'm pretty sure he is. As much as he likes and respects Lamar, he never, you know, there's genuine respect and like between those two, to be very, very clear. But good ones are motivated by everything, just like Lamar continues to be motivated by not bad for a running back. Well, we're talking about Patrick Mahomes. Last night, Therese, that was vintage. That was the oh, Patrick yeah. Mahomes that we had been waiting for. And there was a couple of weeks where – I said on our show, I didn't think Mahomes was playing all that well. It, yeah, it, they were just for, trying to get him, through, dog. right? They were just trying to get through. And last night, I mean, the third and 18 throw that he had to Tyreek Hill, man, there was a time not that long ago, Chiefs fans, where it was third and 18, and the Chiefs might have run a draw there, or as a Chiefs fan, you're just like, yeah, they're not getting this. I, it's good. It's going to be a punt here. We'll see what happens on the next possession. It's the, the mindset that has changed as the Chiefs fan base and as the Chiefs coaching staff and the Chiefs team, they believe they're going to convert on all of the third and longs now because of Patrick Mahomes, and he got back to playing that way yesterday. Yeah, and I, I was really encouraged by um, 
you know, Mahomes running for the touchdown, too. Like, he's running good. You guys know me. I just love watching great football players do great things. And, like, the neat thing was genuinely terrifying if you love the game of football. Like, that's like, you know, I haven't, watched, I haven't enjoyed watching anybody like this basically since, like, Barry, since, like, Dion. Like, it, like, so, like, you're just like, oh, if he loses that part of it, he'd still be great. But it, it, it's different. So, like, I'm just encouraged and giddy, to be honest, because I like good football. When he can, like, run around and, like, do the stuff he was doing last year. So that, that's what encourages me. And it's both, right? Like, it's not just the running around, but him being able to have the ability to run around means that he's also more confident stepping up yes. in the pocket. Yep. And he had, for a little yep. while there, gotten this really terrible habit. And he knew it because he talked about it publicly as well. He had this really bad habit of escaping the pocket too early when even there may have not been pressure. And he, he's just not confident in the pocket. Now he's reverted back to where he was early in the season when I said, and you said prior to the season, he looks better at training camp. Like, some of that stuff oh, is yeah. really shown back up on, yeah. on film now. His processing, right? Like, his processing has improved. It's gotten faster. I can't wait to see what it's like at 28. I mean, I mean, Andy likes to have, be really, really hands-on. But, like, with special players, sometimes you give them more say-so and rope and freedom. Like, 28-year-old Mahomes, theoretically, God willing, is going to be an absolute joy to watch. He's going to be fun. He's going to be making a lot of money. <laughs> the Chiefs, Great. if they're going to win, absolutely. If they're going to win with him, they're probably going to want to also add a nice running game to that yeah. side of things. We're going to get into that. I want to talk to Therese about the running rotation that they had last night and what it meant for LaShawn McCoy moving forward with his team. We'll get into that. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. The Therese Paler Show, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kiley. He is Therese Paler, Yahoo Sports NFL writer. Always enjoy having you guys along for the ride. If you want to get involved, the text line is 69306. We would love to have your questions for Therese as well. We'll get some of those coming up later on in the show. All right, Therese. So yesterday came out before the game. LaShawn McCoy going to be a healthy scratch once Mm -hmm. again. They say that it is because he needs to rest, make sure that he's good to go for the postseason At this point, I'm just having a difficult time believing that explanation. Since his fumble against Green Bay, LaShawn Mm -hmm. McCoy in four games has 29 carries and eight receptions. He also had healthy scratches against both the Titans and the Bears. Yeah. I I like LaShawn McCoy. I think he added some juice to the running game. Mm -hmm. I think he's probably of their runners, the best running back. Yeah, he's elusive. In terms of the actual running of the football. But I can't trust him. It doesn't seem like they trust him in the passing game, and they really seem to trust Damian Williams and Spencer Ware to be able to pass protects, to be able to run the right routes, and to be able to run straight ahead. I, I think that's their rotation. Where are you at on this? I, 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 mean, I think he's going to contribute. Um, it, it's all like from like we said in September, it's going to be a ride the hot hand sort of deal. It's going to be a committee sort of deal. We know they trust Damian Williams. We know they trust Spencer Ware. They can block. They're really good pass blockers. They can all they can catch the ball, that type of thing. But 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 I don't think that you sign Shady. You know, it was four million dollars a year. You know, you don't you don't sign him unless you do have a role that you, that that he can help and contribute in in January. Like, do I think he'll be the feature guy? Then I mean, look, no one knows the answer to the question. But I I do ex- I do think there's a reasonable chance he's going to contribute in some sort of way because. I mean, this might just be a really nice message to, hey, you know, hold on to the football. Like, we can't have this. 
in January because one turnover can make the difference in the game. But is his role or would his role be as large as it would be if he hadn't fumbled? Probably not. But but you don't sign him when you did, and he's a veteran, and he goes way back with the staff. Like, he's here for January. How much likely is going to be dependent on how he's done so far. And I, I'm sure that his workload to some degree will be affected by, by some of the issues we've seen. I think you're right. I think he'll be involved in the game plan. Yeah. I just think something like five, six carries, yeah. something like yeah. that, as opposed I mean, to like before the, before, when they signed him, we were thinking, you know, yeah, 12 to 15, well, maybe in the postseason. Now well, during the regular season, I understood what they were doing, but in the playoffs, I figured <laughs> he would be the featured running back. I actually thought it was kind of like, I thought it was like Damien insurance. Like I, I know how much they just they appreciate Damien's like the other stuff he brings as a pass catcher and blocker. And sometimes he makes guys missing stuff. Like I I always kind of thought that it was gonna be more of a timeshare than people thought. Because I know what they think of Damien, right? So we'll see going to the playoffs. I, I think we see that Spencer Ware certainly has value. The bouncer. You know, like the, what the, what this guy does, like escorting people out the club. Like it's like when you try to get to the 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 VIP room to to get a piece of Patrick Mahomes. Uh uh-uh. uh, he's coming there and he's just throwing you right out, jazz style on the Fresh Prince. Like it's just you right out of here. You know, um, he's got a role because uh-huh. when teams know they're gonna throw, you just put Spencer in there because look, you just need the best pass blocker. So I I, I do think that. There's a role for all three of them. I think it. I think some of it's going to come down like who they play, how those teams attack them. Not unlike what the Patriots do. They got those three backs and they they rotate them as necessary. So I do like what you said about Damian Williams in the passing game because one thing that's been missing for this team at times this year is they get into the red zone and we've talked ad nauseum about their red zone struggles this season. Yeah. They went from being the second best in the league to yep. being bottom ten in the league this yep. season in the red zone conversions. Last night, they get into the red zone, and on one of them, they scheme up a play for Travis Kelsey, which was fantastic. And then the next time, Damian Williams around the end, a play that we saw a million times a year ago, it works again. And if that's something they are able to convert on moving forward, that's an element of the offense that they didn't have when he was out that is super, super valuable if he's able to bring that again. And they're going to have to. They're going to have to win in the red zone with play. Like you just mentioned, you know, unexpected. Remember, I talk a lot about throwing wrinkles in to your route concepts because teams have tape of what you want to do. Like, you have to do that because, like, especially in the playoffs, these are good, well-coached teams. You're not really going to out-coach these teams. Like, like the Baltimore Ravens aren't going to be out-coached with Greg Roman and Don Martindale. You're not going to do that, right? But you, you, So you have to have wrinkles to your wrinkles and wrinkles to your regular stuff so that they see stuff that they don't really see, even though they can kind of anticipate it. Anyway, because this is not like an office like Baltimore's where, you know, between the tackles, they're good. They're going to beat you up. They're going to have to win with, with with scheming up in some different and creative ways. Do I think Andy's got some stuff saved? I'm reasonably certain he does. I mean, I think Travis if he's, Kelsey probably right, would be I, right among listen, them. Listen, you know, this is Andy Reid here. Like, they, there's no reason for them to be where they are in red zone touch, you know, scoring percentage Um, if he's pulling out all the stops. There's some stuff saved because he knows what the offensive line is best at. He's going to need that stuff to score when it matters. The other thing is when you get into the red zone, especially in the playoffs, teams are going to take away Travis Kelsey. They're going to take away Tyreek Hill. And eventually there's only so many guys that you can defend like that, right? Mm -hmm. Carrington on Twitter after um, the Patrick Mahomes run said, I don't know how you don't have a spy on Patrick Mahomes. I was like, listen, 
if you're going to double Tyreek, if you're going to double Tra- Travis Kelsey, if you're going to defend the running back out of the well, backfield, like there's only so many guys that you can defend. Well, right? first of all, the basis for defending the the number the the base thing to defend the Chiefs is like the Tyreek Hills being doubled in basically every situation. Yeah. Like it starts there, and then that's already taken a guy away. Mm-hmm. And then you make underneath defenders pay attention to Kelsey. Guys sag on him, he draws attention. That's going to leave one-on-one opportunities for McColl. That's going to leave one-on-one opportunities for, you know, Sammy, for the running backs out of the backfield. So that's why you can't spy Mahomes. Like, he's going to have to be able to run and take advantage of his legs. Like, you can't spy him. Not when those other guys are healthy. You can't defend everything. There's only so many things that you can do as a defender against this offense. And when they're at full health, which they are right now, that's what it ends up looking like. All right, so – one of the things that I took a lot of joy in last night, Therese, was watching this broadcast as a Chiefs fan. I because bet. if I was a Bears fan, I would have been absolutely miserable from start to finish. The graphic that they showed of Patrick Mahomes through That's his brutal. first 30 games and then comparing it to the best 30-game stretch of any Bears quarterback in the history of their franchise, it was incredible. The fact that at one point Chris Collinsworth legitimately came on the broadcast. Chris Collinsworth, who I think is fantastic at his he job, is good at his job. Said, if you just look at the highlights of Patrick Mahomes and Mitchell Trubisky and pretend like everything else doesn't happen, they're very similar. Like I couldn't do anything but laugh yeah, at the entire he's... broadcast. And if you're a Bears fan, you couldn't do anything but ha- you had to be just embarrassed about well, what it was happening. Even Bears fans were like, "That's not true." <laughs> like. Listen, I did a lot of work on quarterbacks in that draft. I watched like eight tapes, eight games of all those guys, right? There's, there was no comparison in the college tape between those two, okay? And if you take their best NFL throws, like maybe Trubisky's best NFL throw like is like Patrick's 20th. I just I this is just me though. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm a local, yeah, well, you know, I I but but I, I don't have to downplay you know, it. It's no, true. I, no, I'm just I'm just saying like you show humility, you show respect. Sure. Chris Collinsworth is really good at his job. He's a Hall of Famer. Like I I generally most of the time, overwhelmingly most of the time, he's right. Um but in this one instance for Bears fans, I'm actually going to take them off the hook on this. That game shouldn't have frustrated them that much and here's why. Like, nobody was talking about Patrick going second. That's revisionist history to, like, expect Ryan Pace to have drafted Patrick Mahomes. I think that's unfair. That's not fair. No one was talking about that. Here's what is fair. There is no good reason at all that they shouldn't have Deshaun Watson. None. Not one. Not. You can't explain it away. There's nothing. Pat. Deshaun Watson beat Alabama in the national championship game, played in the same conference as Mitchell Trubisky. Their tape, Watson's college tape was a lot better. Like, I, here's the thing. I did the tape work on Trubisky that year. I didn't like the way that he seemed to naturally drift, throwing off his back foot when pressure got to him. He didn't create with his feet the same. And most importantly, where were, there were no over-my-dead-body games for him. How many did Deshaun have, BK? I mean, more than we can count. Almost every week he had over my dead body game. So, you know, to, to me, I think that, you know, Bear fans, you know, of course, they're, you could have had Mahomes. I'm just telling you that's unfair. No one had him go that high. There's no good reason to pick. There was him. No, not- he, was just, he was Donovan McNabb. He was McNabb with, like, the winner's pedigree who won a national championship. Like, that, that's how that went. You're not wrong about anything you say. 
if I'm a Bears fan, though, to get any more, any less <laughs> oh, frustrated. Oh, you know why? Right? Like, you know why? Because you're a Chiefs fan, and you had to watch the John Elway graphics. Exactly. <laughs> like, I've been through this. I've watched it. Hey, listen, man. Like, they they literally had three options. They they only could have got it wrong with one of them, and they traded up Bro, to make sure that they got it wrong with it's the so one great. that they could have gotten so it wrong great. with. So while everything you just said is 100% accurate, if I'm a Bears fan, I'm furious. I'm not hating, like, on the premise. Like, I think that was a great setup. I love the premise. I'm just saying, like, I think Bear fans got to let themselves off the hook a little bit because it's like, oh, we could have had Mahomes. But, like, at the time, come on, nobody was. But the Watson thing, it's still really bad. Like, there was no good excuse for that guy to fall to 12. Like, I come still, on, guys. I will say this. If I'm a Bears fan, the one, the, the one, I don't know if it's solace, the one thing that I will say, it has to be frustrating to know that they're the only ones that are getting killed when the Jaguars should be getting killed oh. every bit as much as they are. Oh, thank because you. Because the Jags oh. took Leonard Fournette Bro. over either of those quarterbacks How about to this? be able to double down on the fact that they had Blake Bortles at the hey, time. What's even worse than that? Inexcusable. What's even worse than that is this. Fournette was thought of as a blue chip running back uh-huh. at the time. Like, okay. It's not okay, but... On the levels of like, oh my God, that, you know, that's a little higher than this. Taking Taven Bryan instead of Lamar Jackson mm. late in the first round. Mm. It ain't great. What's the look on my face right now? It ain't great. I'm just, <laughs> that's a, I mean, you know what happens if they take Lamar Jackson? They still have Jalen Ramsey. You know what happens? Jack Saxonville is still alive. Cause guess who Jalen Ramsey wanted and respected and liked? Lamar Jackson. Now, I'm actually glad for Lamar that he didn't go there because, like, there's a real question about whether or not that staff could have put him in a position to win. I'm saying I wish they had a great staff for him and that we could have seen him in the all-black Jacksonville uniforms with that defense and the swag they had. That would have been a lot of fun. It would have been special. It would have been It, it would have been unlike – it would have been, honestly, if you're looking for a comparison, probably most similar to the Seahawks. The Seahawks oh, yeah. run that they yeah. had in terms of the swagger yeah. that they imposed themselves with, like – that's probably the closest comparison. He's Therese Paler. I'm Brandon Kylie. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. Get your text in on the text line 69306. We'll get, a, get to some of your best questions coming up at the end of the show. Coming up next, we got to go around the NFL. The Patriots beat the Bills on Saturday. Did we learn more about the Pats or the Bills in that game? We'll do it next. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. The Therese Paler Show, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. The show never ends here. It's no. it's fantastic. In the break, stirring the show. It's horrible. It's great. If you guys want to get involved, the text line is 69306. If you guys want to get any questions in, Therese will answer those coming up here in just a little bit. But before we do that, let's go around the NFL. Therese, the place that I want to begin is with a game that really disappointed me on Saturday. I believed in our Bills. I thought our Bills could do it. The Patriots ended up beating the Bills. Josh Allen didn't have his greatest game in the world. Do you think we learned more in that game about the Patriots or the Bills? Now, here's the thing. Remember, they're my Bills now, but I was asked multiple times last week if they were winning on Sunday. The answer is no. Like, they're not. This is the type of game that the that the Patriots don't lose. Home game in December that they need for playoff seeding against a divisional foe. They don't lose that game. So for the Bills to come pretty doggone close to doing it, 
tells me a lot about where they're at in their program. Buffalo's close. And if some things happen in New England this offseason, they're going to be pretty ready to like assume the mantle with one more good draft, one more good free agency period. Very impressed with my Bills. Did not expect them to win. Not surprised they didn't win. But that's the kind of loss that sets you up for winning in the future. Buffalo's still a very young team, BK. But they're going to learn a lot from that game. I didn't learn a whole lot about the Patriots in that game. The one thing that did, a, as a guy that's watched the Chiefs lose to the Patriots a lot in the playoffs, the one thing that did concern me a little bit Ooh. is that um, Rex Burkhead is, is back, <laughs> apparently. He's back from the dead. They do this thing where, like, there's a running back that emerges in December uh, I told that, you, like, I... hasn't been there every year. And it's like, oh, oh, so... So Rex Burkhead, not, who's so had this like is thing now? seven carries yeah, all no. year and has broken his ankle 27 times, that right, no. he's he's good again. Okay, Just in time. Sweet. Fantastic. Right. Just in time to pound it up the middle. With, yeah, I, 100%. I, I'll say this, man. I feel like the Patriots, they told me, like, yes, the, uh, the, the general rules of respect for the Patriots should still apply, which is when it gets to December, they're terrifying because stuff happens with these guys and they're using their best play calling. They're pulling out all the stops, and, like, you got to kind of respect how difficult it's going to be to beat them. Next thing that I wanted to ask you about, the 49ers looked like one of the most complete teams in the NFL for the first three months of the season. They have now allowed 46, 29, and 31 points to the Saints, Falcons, and Rams over the last three weeks. Do you think that they are doing the opposite of what the Chiefs did, where the defense came together early, peaked a little bit too early in the season, and now they're starting to leak oil as we get into the postseason? Yeah, one thing I, I think is real, um, the 49ers defense, when we were loving them up, like that was real, and it wasn't just because of like who they were playing. Their nickel defense was incredible. <laughs> they were fast to the football. The pass rush was real. Some things have happened to them. Namely, they miss Quan Alexander. They miss him. Like that's something, that's a thing. And also, um, there's some injuries on the back end, you know, that's affected their secondary. So, like, they're going the other way because of those two things. Injuries are hurting them. Now, can they get it together in time for the playoffs? Sure. I expect to see San Francisco's best game on Sunday. They're playing for the number one seed. They very well can win this game. But they're favored in Seattle, yeah, which I was yeah, surprised about. Yeah, they're right. favored by three points on yeah. the road in Seattle. I, I can't imagine that's happened very often over the last <laughs> yeah. decade. Well, I, I think we've seen a general – kind of tamping down of the respect of the 12s, right? Like, teams can go in there and win, and they have. Saints did. Um, but but that, that's still a good point. And I, I think um, this is going to be a really interesting game that's going to tell us a lot about how both these teams are heading into the playoffs. But I think the general premise of what you said is real. Like, you know, the 49ers defense is kind of heading the other way, and they better get things tightened up because that Saints game exposed some stuff. Speaking of getting exposed, the game of the week was supposed to be the Cowboys and the Eagles. Yeah, they're The Eagles were the last man standing. I don't know if they were a good football team, but they were the last one standing. Do you think we are finally, finally, yes. finally going to see the merciful end of yeah. Jason Garrett? I was talking about this on my podcast, um, Yahoo Sports NFL podcast. If you're listening to this, you should be listening to that, too. Absolutely. It's great. Um, if <laughs> When Jerry Jones doesn't have anything to say, that's this. That speaks volumes, right? Jerry Jones speaks after every game. When he doesn't say anything, when, when he's reluctant to give real quotes, it's because he doesn't want to slip up and say something. That So basically, it's over for him. And, and let me just vent real quick here. Everyone knows that the Saints are throwing the ball to Michael Thomas, okay? that's not That hasn't kept Michael Thomas 
from having 145 receptions or whatever. So why can't him. why can't they get Amari Cooper to football? They took him off the field. Like what? Like I, I can't even. Everyone knows Michael Thomas is getting the ball. So if they know Thomas is getting the ball and he still gets the ball, why can't they get they? Why can't they get Cooper to football? Like it's insane, and it's a sign of bad coaching, and it's time for him to bring in a new staff. They took Amari Cooper, who somebody. That's all right. Going no, that's okay. We got to get two tight ends on the field. Twenty million dollars a year to bring on ridiculous Tavon Austin. That's okay. No, that's good. You got to get the tight ends on the field. You got to do that. The last thing as we go around the NFL, what are you expecting tonight from Packers Vikings in a game that is super meaningful for the uh, NFC postseason? It's going to tell me a whole lot, man. I uh, just came back from a trip to Minneapolis, spent some time with a lot of their guys, offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski who I think is going to be a really good head coaching candidate for teams who need it. Um, Kirk Cousins, Stephon Diggs. Basically, remember, like, after week four, Diggs was like kind of demanding a trade, and Adam Thielen was, like, the offense is one-dimensional. I basically wrote a story about how they turned it around. Um, I'm not going to give it all away. Please go check out my Twitter and read it. But let's just say that they built the offense exactly to Kirk Cousins' specifications, and it's worked. So I expect to see them try to run this stuff against the Packers, and if they can pull it off, it pretends well for the Vikings in the future. That's a tough. That's a mentally tough football team. I'm really interested to see what the loss of their running backs mean for them, though, because Mike they're going to be good. without. He's Mike good. Boone's good. I know he's not. He's Dalvin not Dalvin Cook and Alexander. And he's Madison not Madison also either. out this week. So, but I'm going to be interested to see what that looks like. But the Packers run defense. Yeah, like the, the Packers defense can be beaten. Like you can, you can get to these guys. They rush the passer well. They turn you over. But I, I, the bottom line is that this game is going to teach us a hell of a lot heading into the January. We always ask for your questions. We always answer them at the end of the show. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio, the text line 69306. Therese, this one, do you rest the starters this week if it looks like the number two seed is not happening with the Patriots up big in Miami? I do, but that's just Therese being paranoid. I just, you know, I just, I I mean, they could beat the Chargers without these guys. Like, we've seen them win with the bye week. You know, we've seen it. They've, they've, win, they've beaten Denver with all they – their starters, like we've seen it happen. So I will rest all these guys and kind of give them a bye week. Next one comes from the nine one three. Therese, do you think the rest of the league should be scared now that the Chiefs have a defense? So, something to similar to the effect of "Uh oh, puppy or happy learned how to putt." As Marcus Peters would say, "Hell yeah!" Like yes, absolutely, yeah, they should be. You know, the the the, the formula to beat the Chiefs is still the same though. Like it's pound the football, control the clock, keep Mahomes off the field. The ultimate test of that will come in a few weeks, but. Does their run defense has it has it been solid? Has it made me feel pretty good about where they're at? Sure, I think I think teams are gonna have to look at the defense with a lot more respect than they have in the past. So like when they're game plan, it's not gonna be like oh, oh we're gonna dial up some outside zone and some gap and now it's gonna be like oh, okay maybe the outside's gonna work. We're gonna have to so like there'll be more respect for their run defense this time around. Therese, as of today, very quickly, how would you rank the top three teams in the AFC? As of today. Yeah, you got to go Baltimore. They've really shown it, you know. Um, look, at the end of the day, when you reach this point in the season, like you are who your record says you are. So I'm going to go New England second. But the Chiefs are a very solid third. And let's do tiers. So Baltimore is number one. That second tier, very, 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 very clearly, is Chiefs and Patriots. And they're pretty even. He's Therese Paler. I'm Brandon Kylie. We appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week to the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. We wish you guys a very Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you and yours. Merry Christmas. Be back next week. Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.